This is the Manga Mavericks Podcast from AllComic.com, episode 89. We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton. And I'm Lon Ramayasha, and this week we have a Back to Basics episode. We are doing a news episode covering all the news that came out in the last couple of weeks that we haven't gotten to talk about yet because we have been busy recording interview after interview for you guys. And to give an update on some of those interviews because we were planning to have all of them out in May, but because of some issues, whether the interviews being too long or due to some technical mishaps, uh, they have been pushed back a little bit into June. The first one of these was our interview with David Brothers, which was a fantastic conversation. We recorded it towards the beginning of May. However, it was an extremely lengthy interview as well, going over three and a half hours in terms of rough audio. So it took quite a bit of time to edit, but it has been edited at this point and is just currently pending approval from David and Viz Media. They just need to look it over to make sure, you know, everything that we discussed on the podcast fits within uh, company policy in terms of what they can say and whatnot. But we will get approvals for that very soon and it should be out for you guys very shortly this month. The other interview that we recorded that had some problems is a little bit more complicated. Oh, yeah. We recorded a fantastic interview with Caleb Cook, translator of My Hero Academia, Dr. Stone, Dragon Ball Zooper, and so many other fantastic series. And we had a really great conversation with him about his career journey, his time in Japan as part of the JET program, and all sorts of awesome things. But, uh, unfortunately... Uh, we lost uh, Colton's audio for that podcast. But rather than re-record the podcast, we have decided to go forward just using mine and Caleb's audio. But this will require a little bit of re-recording on my part just to make sure things fit together in terms of continuity. So like when Colton is asking a question or Caleb responds and Caleb's saying it doesn't feel out of place. So there is a little bit of editing work that is going to have to go into that that will make it take a little longer to get out. But it's a fantastic interview and I think you guys will really enjoy uh, the stories Caleb has to tell. And we won't make any promises of the exact date that will be out. We are planning tentatively to have that out by the end of the month, but do not be surprised if it spills into July. But rest assured, uh, it's a great interview and you will get to hear it very soon. Yeah, because I think the last time this happened, um, yeah, the last time this happened, I think it was around when uh, we tried to record Maxi about Toriko. Um, and, and that, that was a huge shame because I really enjoyed recording that episode, uh, you know, all those years ago. And we had to basically, sh- uh, get rid of that episode, which was a shame. And, uh, you know, uh, since this is my fault again, uh, uh, Lum and I came to an agreement that, like, we shouldn't just throw this interview away because it really was a fun conversation with Caleb. Plus, we, uh, uh, gotta be honest, we don't know, even even if we wanted to re-record the interview, we don't know when we'd be able to do that. Caleb is a very busy person, um, and he was already very nice enough to make time to come on the show in the first place, um, so, 
yeah, we're basically going to have to, you know, like Lum said, edit around where edit, edit around the parts where I was most active in the conversation and at least put out what we still have, because uh, I think what we still have after that is still worth a listen. So there you go. Yes. Thankfully, because it is an interview, Kayla's responses are the most important thing uh, for you all to listen to. So uh, I'm glad we have those at least. So it's a real shame to just lose that entire all the things we talked about. But like the essential points, the essential questions we asked Caleb and his responses, which were incredible, will were are definitely worth sharing with you guys. And uh, I think you'll really enjoy it when it comes out. Uh, and so I'm glad this is one podcast that uh, had technical difficulties that we are going to be able to salvage, unlike with Toriko and Yu Yu Hakusho as well. Oh, yeah. Um, but rest assured, uh, once we have the interview like fully edited and once we know it's done and we're and, and we know that we'll actually be able to upload it, uh, we will let you guys know. Mm hmm. Um, but in short, those interviews are coming soon, soonish. Uh, w- one of them more so than the other. But no, yeah, uh, I think we should uh, we should get on with uh, with all the news we have to talk about because I think it's it's almost been a month since we talked about news. That's right. Which does kind of justify this being a news-only episode. There is quite a bit to discuss. And while it will certainly not be as long as uh, the big news roundup, I think that we might find ourselves going a fair length on this. But we will see. Because we've got some exciting things to talk about, including it's that time of the year again for Oricon to release their top-selling manga in Japan by series list for the first half of this year. Colton, if you want to take that away. Yeah, sure. So, you know, like Lum said, it is that time of the year where we're going to cu- be covering uh, manga series sales for the first half of this year, 2019. Uh, this list covers sales surveyed from uh, November 19th, 2018 to May 19th, 2019 in particular. And uh, I guess we'll, we'll we'll start from the bottom up. Coming in at number 10, we have uh, One Punch Man. Uh, selling over 1,814,000 copies. Uh, One Punch Man, I'm pretty sure, was uh, was in the top 10 last year, so uh, not not a huge surprise that it's still on there. But uh, it's, it's definitely being beaten out by some other series, uh, as certain series have kind of moved up on the list, which we'll uh, get to in a second. But uh, we have a new addition to the list that was not on here last year at number 9 with Kaguya-sama Love is War selling over 2,432,000 copies. Uh, I'm almost positive that this is probably thanks to uh, the new anime that uh, the series got back in the winter season of this year. A lot of the series on this list seem to have gotten a good boost from a uh, post-anime airing. They got a good bump in sales thanks to them. Kakuya-sama definitely being one of them. It was one of the most popular anime of the last season. So uh, it seems that has really helped it out in Japan. Mm-hmm. At uh, number eight, we have Haikyuu selling over 2,451,000 copies. Uh, Haikyuu, I... I feel like it was higher on the list last time, 
It was last year for this uh, same period last year. Haikyuu was number four on the list, but it is worth pointing out that in terms of overall sales, Haikyuu is not significantly less than it was last year. Last year, Haikyuu sales were around 2.5 million. This year, around 2.4 million. Not a substantial drop. What you're seeing with this list is actually overall sales are up for all the series in the top 10 which is really exciting to see at uh, number seven we have the manga adaptation of that time i got reincarnated as a slime selling over two million five hundred and twenty seven thousand copies um was this on the list last year I, f- I don't feel like it was it was not this is another series that has really gotten a great post anime bump uh, the series has been very popular since getting an anime adaptation, and I'm sure that has translated over into boosting the manga as well. Mm-hmm. At uh, number six, we have Attack on Titan, selling over 2,814,000 copies. Uh, now this, I don't know if sales have increased or decreased, but it's definitely lower on the list than it was last time, I think. In terms of placement, yes, Attack on Titan is about three places... No, actually, uh, it was number two on the last list, so it's four places lower. However, in terms of sales, it is not significantly lower. Again, only about uh, 100,000 uh, sales decrease. last t- At this same time period last year, it was at 2.9 in sales. This year, 2.8 in sales. Again, staying pretty consistent in terms of sales. Just the overall sales for the series in the top 10 have increased. Hmm, interesting. Uh, Next up at number five, we have the quintessential quintuplets selling over 2,940,000 copies. Um, Now, this is definitely a new addition to the list. It is, and I think it's a hilarious coincidence that uh, the quintessential quintuplets come in at number five. (laughs) Five, 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 how serendipitous. But yes, this is is the biggest surprise of uh, the top-selling manga list for this time period this year. I knew that the quintessential quintuplets was a popular series, but I never would have expected that post-anime, the bump in itself would be this high. That's quite surprising, and it seems like this series has really benefited from that anime. Yeah, apparently. Um, Out of all the stuff on this list... I like quintessential quintuplets is something I have seen around, but like I legitimately don't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of similar to We Never Learn in the sense that it's a tutor who has to, you know, tutor five girls with crazy personalities. Uh, in this case, though, they're all quintuplets. They're all related to each other. It's five huh. sisters he tutors. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds familiar now that you say that. Uh, Moving on at number four, we have My Hero Academia selling over 3,148,000 copies. Um, I feel like this is probably about the same place it was on the list last time. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's actually one place higher. My Hero Academia was five during the same time period last year. And in terms of sales, it is quite a bit higher. My Hero Academia had about 2.5 million in sales last year. This year, it is at 3.1 million. So MHA just continues its rise even without an anime currently on air, even with that extended break the anime is taking, MHA's popularity continues to remain strong. Mm-hmm. 
at number three, we have Kingdom uh, selling over 4,044,000 copies. Uh, this, I feel like, has to be the same place from last uh, last year. Oh, no, this is a huge boost from last year. Last year, Kingdom was at number six on the list with 2.5 million in sales. This year, number three with 4 million sales. A 1.5 million increase. This is really surprising and really must speak to something that is really amazing going on in the Kingdom manga right now. That is driving interest, that is driving sales up because it does not have an anime on there. It does not have much of an international presence, but it is surging in popularity in Japan, and that is really intriguing. I wonder if it has anything to do with the live-action movie that got announced, or has been released. I'm not sure what the status on that is. That might be a good theory. I wouldn't be surprised if that contributed to uh, an increase in sales. Mm-hmm. Um... I mean, I don't know, because, like, Kingdom, as far as I can remember, has been in the top ten, like, every every couple of months for, like, a while. So, I mean, K Kingdom, obviously, is just popular in general. Um, I'm sure that speaks to the series' quality overall, maybe. If it did get an... Uh, post-movie boost, it's quite impressive that it would do so so quickly because the Kingdom movie came out on April 19th in Japan. So if it really drove sales up this much, that's incredible for it to do in just one month after the movie's release. Mm. Um, but I mean, I don't know. Again, it's just a theory. Um, at number two, uh, this made me very happy. Uh, we have The Promised Neverland uh, selling 4,180,000 copies at number two overall on the list. That is a that is a huge surprise. Yeah, this is a huge boost for Neverland. It was not in the top 10 last year, but here we see it at number two, 4.1 million in sales. That is huge for Neverland. It's really benefited from a surge of popularity in the anime. And what a great time for it to be experiencing this surge in popularity as the manga is currently in uh, supposedly it's final arc. Surely there's a lot of story left to tell, but like this is a great time for people to get into Neverland and for the series to kind of receive this boost going for it as it heads towards some more climactic events in its story. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm almost not surprised considering uh, I think the last time we covered when we covered like most lucrative like franchises in Japan. I remember Promise Neverland in particular making like over 9 million yen or some or something like that some amount like that um i remember i remember it being very lucrative like even before the anime was a thing so yeah and at number one i mean come on <laughs> it's uh <laughs> it's one piece once again selling it's over in the name <laughs> uh <laughs> selling over 5 million 15,000 copies one piece is pretty much here to stay and i very few, I think, can challenge this titan. Yeah, and to show you how much of a titan One Piece is, this is a huge increase in sales for One Piece compared to the same time period last year. Last year, One Piece was, of course, number one, with 3.1 million in sales. This year, we have over 5 million in sales for One Piece, 
in the first half of 2019, there is a 2 million increase in sales for One Piece compared to last year. That is insane. It's really showing that the Wano arc is really driving interest. It is really attracting readers back to the series. It's driving up sales. No wonder that the anime is going all out in the adaptation for it with the new Tatsuya Nagamine direction completely overhauling the show, the anime, because One Piece has experienced yet another resurgence in popularity and... Man, that is just incredible to see that 22 years in, One Piece still continues to dominate, attract new readership, re-attract readership, and continue to drive sales with these numbers. Yeah, uh, not really much else to add to that. Uh, One Piece is always going to dominate, at least until it ends. And even when it ends, it's probably still going to dominate. Perhaps, probably. <laughs> Boy. Um, but yeah, that's about it for the list. Um... Overall, I mean, this was pretty interesting uh, considering the the new additions we had uh, for this first half of the year. Um, Overall, uh, uh, certain series I'm really happy about with their with their increases in in sales, My Hero Academia and Promise Neverland included. But no, yeah, um, not much else I can add to that. Mm -hmm. Lots of surprises, lots of cool stuff to see. But let's take a step back from how manga is doing in Japan to look at how manga is doing in America. Because we are going to once again look at the monthly book scan list. This time for April 2019, the top 20 adult graphic novels list. And we've got 13 manga volumes on this list. And once again, a two-thirds majority for manga uh, in the adult graphic novels list top 20. And once again, My Hero Academia continues to dominate with the latest volume, volume 18, ranking at number two. And not too far behind it, we've got volume one at number four, volume two at number seven, we've got volume 17 at number eight, volumes three at number nine, volume four at number 13, MHA Vigilante's volume four, at number 14, MHA Volume 16 at number 15, Volume 5 at number 17, and Volume 15 at number 18. That is a lot of My Hero Academia. That is 8 volumes of My Hero Academia. That's a lot. That's a big chunk of the top 20. It shows you just how dominating a comic MHA is in the U.S. marketplace. Jeez. But also a big name in uh, comics, also a big name in sales is Junji Ito's works because the Smash Junji Ito Story Collection ranks right here at number three on the list, just behind MHA. Again, Junji Ito, huge seller, which is very awesome to see, as always. But we also got our evergreen titles like Attack on Titan with Volume 27 coming in at number 10. And we've got Tokyo Ghoul RE Volume 10 here at number 11. So, I can't say it's a diverse list considering that the majority <laughs> of this is My Hero Academia. But, again... In general, it is awesome to see manga dominate the sales in the U.S. graphic novel marketplace. Yeah, 
Wow. I'm, I'm kind of just more surprised that only three titles on this list are not My Hero Academia. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nothing can compete with the incredible popularity MHA has right now. Like, it is really something else. I really, I almost want to see a book scan list where just literally every single spot is taken up by My Hero Academia. Because I feel like, I feel like it has to happen at least once. But it, but... I mean, the chances of that are also probably kind of slim, too, so. We'll see. As MHA approaches 20 volumes and goes over 20 volumes, who is to say that one of these days we will have a month where every book in the top 20 is MHA? (laughs) Who knows? I will not count that out at this point in time, considering right now, almost half the list, almost half the top 20 is MHA. So you never know. Wow. Um, well, I'm I'm looking forward to the uh, looking forward to the next list where My Hero Academia is definitely going to dominate again. Uh, but for now, um, I think that's about it for list, and we should get yes, on to. So, uh, I will we we will mention this at the end of the show, but uh, we will discuss in our community shout out section a little bit more of an update on the state of the U.S. manga market and some interesting things about that. So stay tuned for that. But yes, right now, let's uh, head into some serialization news. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of stuff in Shonen Jump has ended over the past month or so uh, since we had gotten uh, at least four new series. Uh, about uh, four, four of them have either ended or moved. Uh, we'll get to some of those in a bit. But uh, the first series that ended, uh, that ended on the in the 24th issue of uh of shonen jump around uh, around the beginning of may here is uh hell warden higuma and uh you know what hell warden higuma i i remember it being like my least favorite out of the three like when we initially covered that kind of run of new jump series um but as it went on like I, it started really kind of warming up to me and i was really getting into it the, the what's interesting is that Hellward and Higuma has even though it's ended in Shonen Jump proper, uh apparently next month in July it is going to be getting an epilogue chapter. So, you know, if you were sort of disappointed with how the last chapter uh in Shonen Jump ended, um it looks like we're gonna be getting hopefully some closure on on, on the series. We'll hopefully get like a real ending, which I think is exciting. Yes, the last chapter in Jump definitely uh, set up something for an ending. So it is good that this manga will get a conclusion. Obviously, very truncated. The author will not be able to explore all his ideas. But it is nice that it will end what the conflict of the series is, uh, hopefully. Which not a lot of canceled Jump series uh, are able to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think the last series that this happened for, unless there's another that, I, that I'm that i not thinking of, uh, was um, Gaku Hote, or uh, School Judgment. Yes, uh, that did have an epilogue chapter. That does come to mind. So, yeah, it's good that it will have a, a ending. Although, yeah, I think it'll be nice that, you know, you can call it a complete story, even though obviously... There are elements to the story that are very rushed, and not all the ideas were explored. But oh, yeah. what's there is very good. I'm just glad a, a canceled series actually gets a somewhat decent ending. Uh, all all things considered, um, it looks like that'll be running in Shonen Jump Plus, and 
I'm I can only assume that Viz is going to uh put that out on the Shonen Jump app over here and uh, as well it'll also be on Manga Plus I'm sure in available in English so we have that to look forward to. There was a tag at the end of the uh, last chapter on the Shonen Jump app uh, and site that did say that the next chapter would come in July. So we will be we will be able to read it over here, thankfully. All right, that's good anyway. But of course, there is uh, more series that have ended, and we must say goodbye to series that we only recently got ch- a chance to keep up with through Manga Plus. Uh, and those are, you know, for starting off with Teenage Renaissance David. Uh, that has ended very recently after a, about a 36 chapter run. And at least it had a satisfying conclusion. And it, you know, kind of did kind of provide some closure to series. And, you know, David was a comedy series. There, there wasn't, you know, a whole lot for it to need to resolve necessarily. But it went out on a sweet note with all the characters just having fun together after a very heartfelt story. So that is very nice. And then I am from Japan. I have not checked out the last chapter on a Manga Plus for this, but I am from Japan has ended its run in Shonen Jump, but it will be continuing in Psycho Magazine, Psycho Jump, uh, which will be uh, in the coming months. Uh, the first chapter is going to be republished in Psycho Jump on. June 1st with a new story and then new chapters will publish in Psycho Jump uh, on the September issue. So in September, I'm from Japan will return and from what it seems based on Manga Plus uh, they do have a listing for you know when I'm from Japan's next chapter will come out on Manga Plus so it will continue to be translated on there. So yeah, you will be able to read the further adventures of Japan. Mm, that's interesting. Um, honestly, thinking about it, I'm from Japan seems like the kind of thing I think that would fit more in Psycho Jump, um, considering, um, and I feel like we probably talked about it on the podcast a little while ago, but like, I'm from Japan really seems like the kind of thing that is really kind of catered towards a very younger audience anyway. Yeah, that and... It's kind of a commercial for the, you know, for Japanese tourism uh, organization. Like, uh, that is kind of a lot of where the funding for the series is coming from. Why it's got an anime so early is because uh, it is a collaboration with the Japanese tourism board and stuff. So, yeah, it kind of makes sense to put it in Psycho Jump alongside, like, kind of spin-offs and other kind of things of that nature. Which, you know, it is for a younger audience. But, yeah, I think uh, it's a good spot for it. It fits the readership a little more. And kind of the nature of the magazine a little more, too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Lum, I guess, do you want to talk about the very last thing that apparently is going to be ending in Jump? That's right. And this is a big one. This is a series that has been running for years now. And, unfortunately, is not ending on the best note, but should get enough time to develop its final confrontation and end satisfyingly and that's food wars food wars has been announced to end by the end of this month it will end 
uh, if my calculations are right, on June 23rd with its 319th chapter. And it should not be any surprise to readers of Food Wars who have been following along with the current and now we can call it the final arc. And the direction the series has gone definitely made it seem like it was on its last legs. For my money, I am just glad that the series is ending the way I want with the match I want, which is Soma versus Arena, which is how I always envisioned the series should end, and I'm hoping that it goes out on a good note with that, even though the arc uh, as a whole has been a very mixed bag, and I would lean towards the negative side with it. Mm-hmm. I've, I've seen a lot of people really just drop Food Wars cold turkey like it's 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 really interesting because i'm i'm not caught up on food wars and it's it's real it's a real shame because i i've been kind of reading food wars like on and off for a couple of years just because like it was some it was like one of the few things that like i that i wanted to read that like i was not caught up with as far as like weekly releases went and i guess now i'm not gonna have that chance which makes me sad but i don't know um and i mentioned this on twitter before like i know people have very strong opinions on um on where the story went in food wars and certain things that have been introduced to other characters and i've seen people with opinions is all i'm trying to say but um at least where i'm at i still like it enough to where like i would i want to finish it and i'm very interested in seeing how i'm gonna feel once i actually reach the stuff that people have been talking about um hopefully we can maybe like talk about it on the show or something i think a food wars episode would be pretty cool yeah, I'd love to do a Food Wars episode. Maybe we could slot it in this year at some point. I definitely would love to revisit the series uh, as soon as it's concluded. Uh, I'll just note that I my calculation's a little off because uh, the Shonen Jump schedule uh, ha- is kind of off by two chapters for some reason. But uh, uh, the, the final chapter uh, will be the 316th chapter. So... But that will come out uh, on June 23rd, as I said before. Um, And I, I guess apparently the magazine is also pro- promising a big announcement for the manga, uh, which I'm I'm sure by the time this episode is out that like, you know, everybody will already know what it is. But I'm wondering what it is. Um, I wonder if it's going to be like an, another anime or like, I don't know. I, I can't really imagine what that would be. I think it probably will be an announcement of the return of the anime Uh, i think the anime did do well so i wouldn't be surprised if they made another core or two of it because they did not finish adapting the central arc Uh, they left off at the end of the first round of the regimen de cuisine so you could finish up that arc in one core and if they wanted to they could take another core or two to do the final arc but i think uh, i don't know what they would want to do with the final arc but with the regimen de cuisine ending off on that note i think there has been interest in that and i would not be surprised to see uh that finish adapting yeah i don't know um, I, I saw somebody on my timeline mention that they could do, like, a live-action Food Wars. I don't know if anybody would be interested in that, but that would be interesting, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, you could do Food Wars in live-action, but 
I feel like some of the things that you can get away with in a manga, you can't get away with in live action. Yeah, probably without, not. Uh, some hard labeling of pornographic content, but we'll see. But maybe they could make it work. <laughs> uh, they probably wouldn't be able to show it on TV. I don't know. Probably not. Um, <laughs> but uh, moving on from that, so I almost don't want to talk about this because I'm, I'm so <laughs> I'm so like physically fatigued at this point. Um, so and I don't even know where to start. You know, if you're reading Gintama, you're probably just as tired as I am after even hearing the title. Um, for those who don't know, um, Gintama has been in the process of ending for what feels like years now at this point. Uh, so, uh, in case you don't know, uh, Gintama was supposed to end in Jump. Uh, Jump gave Gintama five chapters to end back last September, I think. Uh, and then it turns out, oh no, we're not actually ending in Jump. We're gonna keep going in Jump Giga for about, uh, three months or so at about a chapter per issue. Uh, and that went on from December to about February. And even, even with, you know, the elongated page count, the series still didn't end in Jump Giga. As, as like, I'm sure a lot of people saw it coming. Because, uh, because I, I think something else to also keep note of is that the the final volume, which I believe is volume seventy seven, the release date for that, if you want to call it that, keeps has changed at least like once or twice at this point. I think it was supposed to come out this spring, but it didn't because obviously the manga didn't end. So now at this point, it looks like it's going to be coming out in just in summer. I don't even think there's a date for it yet. Um. Though I'm sure there will be soon, because si since then, uh, basically, the Gintama manga went from Jump Giga to the official Gintama app. Uh, the Gintama app being basically a place where you can read chapters of the Gintama manga and I think watch the anime too, and you have access to like like uh, light novels and stuff, access to a lot of Gintama stuff. And that's where Sirachi, the author, would be uh, putting new chapters up. Uh, he has put about two chapters up at the time of this recording of uh, both of them, like two weeks from each other, I think. Uh, so it looked like it was coming out on a bi-weekly schedule. Um, but now it looks like we finally have a date for the final chapter. The actual for real last chapter of Gintama will be out on June 17th, uh, which I believe is a Monday. Uh, yes, I'm checking my calendar right now. Uh, Monday, June 17th is when Gintama will be ending. Um, though, I don't know. I'm a little afraid because uh, initially uh, the final chapter of Gintama was meant to come out on June 10th. But I don't know if Sirachi just needed a little more extra time to draw or whatnot. But Shueisha basically had to delay this chapter again by like another week for whatever reason. So June 17th. That's when it's ending, allegedly. I still don't believe that it's going to be the final chapter, uh, be because th this series has been really just kind of dragging its heels for at least like a good, I want to say, six months at this point. Pro pro <laughs> probably probably longer than that. Uh, I will say, uh, what was it, chapter 703, 702, somewhere around there. I forget what chapter it was, but... The, the chapter that is out that is, like, basically the chapter before the final chapter, and I helped my friends over at Justin Gintama podcast cover 
you know the chapter and uh we, we we talk about we talk about our feelings on the last two chapters uh over there i think it's the latest episode maybe we'll put a link in the show notes for anybody who wants to listen to that um all i'll say is uh i am very surprised at like at like how cathartic these chapters have been uh i was really afraid that like because we had been waiting so long for everything to kind of resolve that like that basically like the the resolution wouldn't live up to expectations like i i think one of my theories was that like maybe the actual ending of the manga is like just that bad that like sirachi uh, is dragging (laughs) his heels because he doesn't want to put it out (laughs) um but i don't know so far that's not looking like to be the case um i mean i don't know what the last chapter will entail but uh the chapter before that um without giving anything away i'll say was extremely good Oh, man, uh, I I'm really trying not to say anything else because I don't want to spoil Lum because I really I really want them to read it themselves because it's really good. Like go, going through the Silver Soul arc was worth it for this past chapter. That's all I'm going to say. Um, Excellent. But uh, yeah, anyway, I'm I'm done rambling about Gintama like always on this podcast. Uh, June 17th. That's when it's coming to an end. Whether it'll actually come to an end for real this time, we'll see. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sit and wait until then. I'll believe it when I see it. It's over when it's over. You gotta see it end first and then we'll believe it. Oh yeah. But that's about it for jump stuff that's ending. And let's just talk very briefly about something that'll be taking a short break, and hopefully it's just going to be a short break, because World Trigger will be off this month. Because of uh, Daisuke Ashihara needing to recover from uh, surgery. Uh, He had a gallbladder removal surgery recently. And he needs to recover from some uh, intestinal obstruction complications. Uh, He's been discharged from the hospital. But, you know, just needs more recovery time. So the manga is off this month. It will return in July. uh, Barring any further complications. Mm-hmm. I just want I just want Ashihara to to do well and recover. Poor guy needs his rest. Yes, uh, for me, I just want all uh, mangaka to prioritize and take care of their health. Ashihara, Oda, Korokoshi, all of them. I just hope uh, pace themselves well and uh, take care of themselves and their health. Yeah, like um, I'm not sure if this really has much to do with anything, but like. You know, speaking of Horikoshi, like reading My Hero Academia lately, like for for the past couple of months, um, each chapter's only been about like fifteen pages or something. So like, I'm I'm hoping he's okay. Like I'm hoping nothing's wrong because like I feel like they wouldn't decrease his page count unless he requested it or unless like they just want to give him more time to rest. I'm not sure. I just thought that was kind of interesting to point out. I noticed uh, Black Clover has also recently gotten a reduced page count, too. So, yeah, I think that the stress of uh, weekly deadlines is hurting some authors. So I think it is a good call to decrease the amount of pages uh, that they work on per week. Mm-hmm. I at least think it's a, a, a somewhat good enough compromise for now, just to kind of yeah. just to kind of help lighten the load. But, yeah, uh, I mean, I'm I'm with you. Uh, I, I, you know, I want my favorite creators to get the rest they deserve because, you know, they, they, they deserve some time to themselves every once in a while. Mm -hmm. But 
Moving on, uh, we'll talk now about uh, something that I'm excited for, the return of a classic series, because Hajime Kanzaka is launching a new chapter, the third part of the Slayers novel series. It has already debuted in the July issue of Fujimi Shobo's Dragon Magazine, and... It is going to be just a regular serialization in that magazine. A new story, a Slayer story. The first one in nearly 18 years. So that is really exciting. And I'm really looking forward to more Slayers. I mean, I won't be able to read it until it gets translated. Uh, or hopefully officially. Um, I hope that maybe uh, if these new stories are popular enough, they'll make more anime adaptations. I'd love to see those. I am a huge fan of Slayers. It's one of my favorite series. Uh, so I'm glad that there are going to be new Slayer stories being told. And I just will hope that some of them uh, come over here. Uh, this is definitely a license I'd love J Novel Club to get in particular. Oh, yeah, that'd be pretty cool. But speaking of franchises getting more installments, uh, SSS Gridman is really branching out into the franchise game. It's getting a stage plane, a manga adaptation, as well as additional manga and novel spin-offs. There is going to be a novel spin-off titled SSS Gridman Another God by Yumi Mizusawa and illustrations by Bun150 that will center on the city of Su, Su Jedi in chaos uh, by the attack of another kaiju and will focus on another god and another battle. And this new novel is going to be published in August under uh, the Gaga uh, Bunko label. And then we are going to have a manga adaptation of the anime called Comicalized SSS Gridman by Yuki Kono that is going to be serialized in Shonen Jump Plus in Japan. Uh, we have a comedy manga spinoff called Shinseki uh, Chuga Kusei Niki or Neon Genesis Junior High uh, Student's Diary. Uh, from Ariko, the character designer of Hina Logic from Look and Logic, and this is going to focus on the four main characters and their everyday lives as they chase after cash, buy groceries, eat nabi together. And so, yeah, that's going to be published on uh, Katakawa's monthly comic live magazine. Uh, there's also going to be a magazine uh, manga spinoff from Kei Toru of Akamika Kill Zero called uh, The Princess and the Samurai that's going to focus on Calibur and a character called Hime Kazuki who has been trusted with Calibur's fifth sword and that's going to be serialized in monthly comic Alive and then we've got Sako Mizaki who is drawing another untitled manga that will be centered on the Neon Genesis junior high students uh, sent into the world of a game where they work as butlers and that's going to be published by Akira Shonen uh, there's we got another uh manga spinoff about Akane that Akane Shonen is publishing uh, that is going to be penned by uh, Shun Kazakami of uh, Ultra Kaiju Humanization Project. And then there is yet another spinoff uh, from Yuki Tamura that is called Sengoku Gridman. 
And that's going to center on a small land that possesses strange mechanical puppet technology that is used uh, to construct puppet soldiers, which hold the pyramid over the castle. And then when the soldiers begin attacking people, a mysterious armored warrior appears. And that's going to be published uh, by Akita Shonen in Monthly Shonen Champion. So lots of manga spin-offs like Rin Man. And uh, more than one about the junior high, uh, Neon Genesis Junior High students too, which, you know, they're a great cast of characters, so really ex- looking forward to those. Uh, hopefully some of these will be brought over here. I'm glad to see that Gridman was a huge success for Trigger, that they are making so much spin-outs, they're really franchising the heck out of this. Uh, hopefully we might get a season two one of these days. I really, really enjoy that show. It was really well done. Uh, really great characters. Fascinating. So, uh, I'm really, uh, I'm looking forward to more of it. And yeah, it sounds, all these sound really fun. And then, uh, finally, our last piece of serialization news is a new manga that is drawn by the artist of my love story, Aruko. A slapstick love triangle that's going to be published in Batsatsu Margaret in the magazine's July issue starting on June 13th called Faded First Love, and this is going to be written by Wataru Hinekure, and the first chapter will have a color page and 35 total pages. And uh, while this is not written by uh, the same writer as My Love Story, I love Ariko's art on that uh, project and on that story, and so I uh, look forward to more works from her. And the cover image for this looks quite cute, and I am uh, definitely interested in uh just any more manga from her so looking forward to see what comes out of this i really like the colors used on on the key image here it's they're they're really muted and nice to look at uh personally speaking um yeah uh hopefully if this gets picked up uh i definitely check it out like uh i i love i love otoko's art it was probably one of my favorite aspects of my love story in particular um so yeah uh i would definitely check this out Mm-hmm, most definitely. But that does it for serialization news, and now we'll move on to licensing news. Starting off with the Yen Press stuff. Oh, yeah. Uh, we definitely got some Yen Press stuff. So, uh, first off, we have uh, what looks to be... I'm going to, I'm going to assume another uh, Yuri anthology. I mean, it's called, mm-hmm. I mean, it's called Girls Love, so I mean, <laughs> probably uh, take a guess. Uh, we have, uh, looks like three of them coming, uh, if I'm reading this correctly... Uh, we have Eclair, a girl's love anthology that resonates in your heart. Uh, Blue, Blanche, and Rouge. Yeah, they are three separate books. Uh, Blue is going to come out on November 2019, Blanche in January 2020, and Rouge during April 2020. Okay, yeah. I, I was reading it again, and I wasn't sure if it was like three stories in one, or like, yeah, like you said, it's the, it's definitely three different anthologies. So that's interesting. Uh you know, for anybody who's into Yuri, uh, you have something to look forward to. So there's that. We have a Bungo Stray Dogs spinoff coming called Bungo Stray Dogs Another Story, Volume 1, Yukito Ayatsuji versus Natuhiko Kyogoku. Uh, so if you are a fan of Bungo Stray Dogs, you have that to look forward to as well. And it looks like uh, we have uh, what seems to be the manga for Rascal Does Not Dream of Buddy Girl Senpai. Uh, this had an anime, I think, back in the winter season. 
um or at least if not in the winter season pretty like recently it was last year oh was it uh, last year (laughs) oops yeah (laughs) but yeah i I heard a lot of buzz about the anime while it was airing so Mm. um i'd seen it around i I didn't really know like much about it i don't know It, it didn't really interest me enough for me to check it out but apparently um just as the synopsis reads uh bunny girls do not live in libraries this is simply common sense. I love those first two lines. <laughs> um, and yet that's exactly where Sakuta runs into one in the wild. Uh, more bewildering is who the bunny girl is. Uh, she is an upperclassman and well-known actress currently taking a break from industry work, uh, wanting to find out more about the mystery surrounding her and maybe get a little closer to it in the process, parentheses. Uh, Sakuta launches an investigation to figure out what's making this bunny girl invisible to everyone around them. Um, so, okay, it kind of sounds like an interesting story. But, yeah, I mean, if you were a fan of the anime, the manga's coming out. Uh, and then, uh, this is something that I'm sure Casey, in particular, is probably looking forward to. Um, we have Seven Little Sons of the Dragon, a collection of seven stories from Ryoko Kui. Uh, Ryoko Kui, for those who may not know... Uh, is the author of such series as uh, Delicious in Dungeon, otherwise known as Dungeon Meshi, in which uh, she is basically penning uh, seven brand new stories that will delight fantasy fans and manga devotees equally, uh, covering a broad range of themes and time periods. No two stories in this collection are alike, as the uh, synopsis for this reads. So I'm already really super looking forward to this. Um, I already like really love the cover for this book um so this definitely has already gotten my attention mm-hmm. i love delicious in dungeons so i you know i am definitely looking forward to more works by ryoko kui so i'll definitely check this out oh yeah definitely uh next up we have uh you call that service with the story written by uh, kisetsu morita and illustrated by uh, hiroki ozaki Uh, in which the synopsis reads, uh, When a vampire kingdom suddenly appears within the borders of Japan, a beautiful boy-meets-vampire romantic comedy blooms from the mind of the creator of I've been killing slimes for 300 years and maxed out my level. Uh, One fateful day, our protagonist wanders into a town that's been uh, declared sovereign territory uh, by the rulers of the night, and before he can blink, an adorable vampire pounces him. Now his only duty is to surf her hand and foot as her minion in the hilarious romance-filled days to come. So, sounds cute, I guess. A vampire love story. I mean, it's not really something I haven't seen before, um, personally speaking. Um, and then it looks like the last thing coming from Yen Press is The Eminence in Shadow. A story written by Daisuke Aizawa with art by Tozai in which the synopsis reads, uh, Shadow Brokers are those who go unnoticed, posing as unremarkable people when, in truth, they control everything from behind the scenes. Sid wants to become someone just like that more than anything, and something as insignificant as boring reality isn't going to get in his way. Uh, He trains in secret every single night, preparing for his eventual rise to power, only to be denied his destiny by a run-of-the-mill yet deadly traffic accident. But when he wakes up in another world and suddenly finds himself at the head of an actual secret organization doing battle with evil in the shadows, he'll finally get a chance to act out all of his delusional fantasies. Uh, This title in particular is going to to be available digitally and uh, physically in hardcover uh, this November 2019. Uh, I don't think the rest of these titles 
have a, a release date, unfortunately. Um, oh, no, wait, never mind. Uh, it says they will all come, all out, coming in out in November. Trend. Yeah. But no, yeah. Um, I- I- interesting collection of stuff coming from uh, from uh, Yen Press in particular. Eminence and Shadow does sound kind of interesting. I would check it out. But I mean, like, I mean, come on, like Ryoko Kui, like, I mean, I only, I, I still haven't read as much Delicious in Dungeon since our last podcast, but I mean, like, uh, an anthology about dragons, like, I mean, you already have me sold regardless of who's writing it, honestly. Ryoko Koi's book and uh, the Enclair anthology are definitely the ones I am most looking forward to. Evidence and Shadow, I gotta say, I do not appreciate them writing a unauthorized fanfic of my life. I think I'm gonna have to call my lawyer and uh, have a few words with this writer and publisher. Uh, but uh, we will have to see about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's pretty much it for that. Uh, and, uh, I think after that, we have some stuff from Seven Seas coming. That indeed we do. We've got a few new manga licenses from them. First off being Rui Tsukiyo and Hideaki Yoshikawa's Dungeon Builder. The Demon King's Labyrinth is a modern city, which will come out on January 7, 2020 in printed digital. And it's about a world where demon lords bail dungeons and devour human emotions. But one rookie demon, Procell, has a new idea and wants to build a revolutionary new dungeon where humans and monsters can coexist. But in order to do that, they gotta beat the Wind Demon Lord. And so this light novel series has been adapted into manga. And uh, I guess we'll see how this manga adaptation uh, turns out. But Seven Seas is also going to be releasing Mita Ori's Our Dining Room in print and digital on December 3rd. And this series is about uh, Yutaka, a salary man who struggles to eat around other people despite being a very talented cook himself. But that changed when he meets two brothers, Minoru and Tane, who are many years apart in age, but ask him to teach them how to make his delicious food. And so Yutaka soon finds himself having a change of heart as he looks forward to the meals they share together. So this looks like a very charming, uh, cathartic little cooking manga. And then the Seven Seas has also licensed Yu Tanaka and Tomu Maruyama's Reincarnated as a Sword, which is going to come out in printed digital uh, on December 17th. This is about someone who is reincarnated as a sentient weapon and has memories of his past life but not his name. And as a magical sword, he saves a young beast girl from a life of slavery. And this beast girl, Fran, a cat ear girl, becomes his wielder and wants to grow stronger. But the sword only wants to know why he's here. And so they go on a strange journey and so this is kind of a neat spin on the whole reincarnated premise where the protagonist has been reincarnated as the weapon of the hero so that is a unique little spin on things uh it certainly does seem like a sharp fantasy tale haha <laughs> but i guess we'll see how that one turns out definitely a good premise but as far as Reincarnated stories, we got another one because Mikawa Sohei and Ryota H's magic user reborn in another world is a max level. 
is coming out in print and digital on January 7, 2020. It's about a dude in his 40s who is a tabletop RPG fanatic, became a salary man, uh, reincarnated into another world by a mysterious entity, finds himself in the form of a max-level wizard character from uh, Dungeons and the Brave, totally not Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, can he successfully rise to the role of a hero when he's living as a wizard NPC? So huh, that's never been done before. No, no, very original, very original. <laughs> but finally, Seven Seas' last new license is Izuzu Shibata's adaptation of Kunihiko Ikohara's Penguin Drum Anime, which is coming out in printed digital on December third, and that's about a high school girl who. You know, is very deathly ill, but she is able to escape her ill fate thanks to a quirky spirit inhabiting a penguin hat she wears. But she gets a new lease on life, but there is a catch because in order for her to stay alive, her twin brothers, with the help of three penguin companions, have to trang out a strange object called the penguin drum. And in doing so, delve into the mysteries of their very existence. And this is an adaptation of, of course, the... Uh, claimed anime from 2011, directed by the uh, incredible director Kunihiko Ikahara. I really love the Penguin Drum. I love all Ikahara's works. I'm definitely looking forward to reading the manga adaptation of Penguin Drum 2. It's a great series. I'd like to see how uh, the manga's take might differ from the anime's version. Could be very interesting. Uh, Penguin Drum. Uh, I think that might have been my first Ikuhara work that I watched like a, a couple years back at this point, And I definitely remember not understanding a lot of it. I need to go back and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I think all of Ikahara shows benefit from more than one viewing. Mm hmm. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's about it from seven C's. Yep. Now I got to talk about Tokyo pop. Oh no. Do we have to, um, well, apparently Tokyo Pop has confirmed that they have licensed another manga, uh, Still Sick from Akashi, the first volume of which will be shipping out on November 5th and will have a retail price of twelve ninety nine. And uh, as the synopsis reads, uh, Makoto Shimizu is just an ordinary office worker uh, bleeding in seamlessly with her colleagues going about her day-to-day -day life. That is, until her co-worker discovers her her well-hidden secret. She draws and sells Girls Love Comics. This uh, co-worker is the last person Shimizu would accuse of being an otaku. But as her interest in uh, Shimizu's art blossoms, uh, the two grow closer. And it seems like uh, Maikawa, the co-worker, may have a secret of her own. So I guess this sounds like an interesting enough series. Yeah, it sounds like a very charming Yuri series. Like, the series itself sounds great. It's just the fact that Tokyo Pop has gotten their hands on it that is cause for a little disappointment. But I'm hoping that, uh, against all odds and expectations, Tokyo Pop's release of this manga turns out great and enjoyable. So, uh, just a question before we move on. So, do, do we... Do we have any idea what Tokyo Pop's releases are actually like nowadays? Because, like, I've, I haven't read anything, like, recent from them. Um, I, I can't imagine that, like, their quality is still as shitty as they were back when, like, they had stuff like GTO and the like. Yeah, I have to hope that their quality 
standards are much higher. I have not heard any egregious complaints about modern Tokyo pop releases outside the uh, collective sigh that they are still doing work on manga, but I don't really know for sure if Tokyo Pop is still making questionable practices and letting uh, their quality standards be very loose. So, uh, for all I know, that this release could turn out uh, still pretty well. But again, it's just Tokyo Pop has burned people so many times, it's yep. easy to be trepidatious about whenever they get their hands on something. When whenever we do finally get around to doing a Tokyo Pop episode, which believe me, I really want to, because uh, I really want to have Nick on to just hear them like furiously roast them for at least two <laughs> hours. Um, I we we should we should really check out some of their newer stuff just to see how it compares because I I'm legitimately interested in like what the quality of their work is like uh, and how it's evolved maybe since then. I'd be interested in that for sure. You know, give them a f- their c- newest releases a fair shake. Like, I have wanted to check out the Yuri Kuma Arashi manga because I do like that show. But, yeah, I, I will check it out uh, at some point. We will do a Tokyo Pop episode one of these days. That, that's been something we've been wanting to do. Still, still in the back of my mind. But speaking of publishers, we're getting a new publisher into the manga game the english manga localization game because square enix has launched a english manga imprint that they're going to debut in fall 2019 in conjunction with penguin random house publisher services it's a multi-year sales and distribution agreement uh, with square enix to launch a line of books uh, manga novels art books and, uh, yeah, those are all coming out in Fall 2019, and it's going to include stuff like Final Fantasy, Tomb Raider, Dragon Quest, Near Autonoma, and, uh, you know, some Square Enix stuff has been licensed to other publishers in the past, but it stands to reason that future manga titles from Square Enix will be published under this line. But the imprint is going to debut with Final Fantasy XV The Dawn of the Future novel, which uh, was recently shipped in Japan on April 25th. And yeah, so for fans of Final Fantasy XV, you can look forward to that coming soon. Another launch titles for the imprint is going to include the High Score Girl, high score girl manga, A Man and His Cat, and the Soul Eater manga, which I guess is a license rescue slash take back on the part of Square Enix from Yen Press. Mm, see, that's interesting, because I, I thought I saw uh, Deb Aoki in particular tweet that it's supposed to be like a, like a new edition of Soul Eater, because I, I think they started doing like special editions of the manga over in Japan, and I wonder like if that's what this is, I think. I, would, I think that would stand to, to reason. I think that would be very likely. But yeah, I, I mean, regardless, it mean, that the fact that this... Uh, that Soul Eater is now going to be published under this imprint does probably mean that Yen Press no longer has the license to the manga, which is very interesting. I do wonder if this means that at some point, yet uh, Square Enix might pull uh, the license of Full Metal Alchemist away from Viz and Black Butler from Yen, kind of like how Aniplex pulled all of their shows from previous companies, like uh, they pulled FMA away from Funimation. Who knows uh, what Square Enix will do with uh, 
the manga they've licensed out to their publishers. That's something we will have to see. As as, as long as the hardcover editions of Full Metal Alchemist uh, get finished releasing, uh, I don't really care what happens, personally. <laughs> yeah. But that is definitely something to keep an eye on. Definitely interesting to have a new publisher in the game. But let us now move on to industry news. And first, let's talk about Anime Expo, because there are some awesome guests coming. And I'm looking forward to that, considering I am going to be there. And there's one guest in particular I'm really excited for, and that is Bisco Hatchery, the author of Oron High School Host Club, Millennium Snow, and behind the scenes, they are going to have a dedicated dedicated panel and have an autograph session and other special fan events during Anime Expo. Uh, additional times, dates, details are going to be announced soon. I've checked the Anime Expo app and uh, those haven't been put on the schedule yet, but I am uh, definitely going to keep an eye out for when they are. Very excited to have Bisco Octori over here at Anime Expo. This is going to be her first North American uh, convention appearance, which is very exciting. I'm sure that there is going to be an incredible flock of fans attending her panel and her fan events. I am just going to have to plan it out so that I can make sure I can get in, uh, because I am sure that the interest and the lines of the attendance is going to be massive. So, look, I'm really looking forward to this. Mm-hmm. Really happy for uh, Oron fans on that front. Um... Oh, yeah. Which, which, speaking of, like, I, I don't know if this is, these are just, like, the conspiracy gears, like, turning in my head again, but, like, wouldn't it be awesome if, like, if one of the reasons they were bringing Bisco Hattori over to uh, Anime Expo was, was that they were going to announce, like, uh, like a reboot of uh, Oran High School Host Club, like, in lieu of, like, the Fruits Basket reboot, maybe? I doubt that's, I doubt that's what's going to happen, but that would be cool. Yeah, I would never count it out. It would be insane if they announced that at NXPO. People would go crazy for that. So, you know, I think that'd be something to look forward to if that pans out. But regardless, it's just awesome to attend a panel hosting Bisco Atori. That is going to be really incredible. And there's other awesome guests coming to Anime Expo, including the artist of Devils and Realist, Utako Yuki Hiro. And uh, producer and cosplayer Hiroto Kuramasu is also going to be coming to Anime Expo too. But Yuki Hiro is the artist of Devils and Realist, uh, which is a very popular series, uh, you know, that... Uh, has an anime adaptation. I believe Kadansha publishes the manga over here. So, you know, definitely a guest that I'm sure a lot of people are going to look forward to. And uh, it's very exciting to have hosted an anime expo as well. But moving on, we are now going to talk about some new adaptation news, including one that I'm particularly excited for because it has recently been announced that Hiroaki Samura's Blade of the Immortal is getting a new anime adaptation. But not only that, Kodansha has confirmed that this is going to be a complete anime adaptation on the anime's website. Now we don't have a format for the anime, but we do have a title. Uh, Mugen no Jin, uh, or Blade of the Immortal, Immortal, which is, and, and if you translate <laughs> that into English, it's kind of redundant, uh, but, you know, it makes sense in Japanese. It sounds much cooler in Japanese, uh, but 
Uh, yes, yeah, so, you know, famously, the original anime was only one core. It did not adapt much of the story uh, at all. It also was not uh, terribly well done. Oh, no, uh, you, you know, you know I, I, I remember... I, it's funny because like I just remembered a couple days ago that like I've actually seen the the that Blade of the Immortal anime like, God it has to have been like over ten years since I've seen that anime or so it's been a long time but like I like I just remembered it recently because like I totally just like I totally just like forgot about that I'd seen that anime because I remember like thinking sure the violence is cool but like man I remember it being. I remember not liking it. I remember thinking it was dumb, but I don't remember why. Man, that is not a criticism you could le uh, level at the manga, because the manga is incredible, an incredibly thoughtful story, and also insanely awesome in terms of the action. The action is really great as well, but like, oh, uh, yeah. it's, a, it's a great story. Uh, the oh, first anime adaptation only really... Uh, adapted the introduction phase of the story the first couple chapters to kind of just set up the story and introduce all the main characters they didn't really get into uh beyond that so there's you know no satisfying conclusion to it or anything it basically just ends after they introduce shura and the mugai ryu but yeah i mean uh, i i'm really excited for more of blade uh, the entirety of blade of the immortal getting adapted um that is just really awesome to me as a huge fan of the manga uh you know I, I guess if you want a good adaptation in the meantime for this there was the film that ataka shimike did that was really great and i love that that's how i got into blade of the immortal when that came out uh, just a couple of years ago is that i started reading the manga you know in prep for the film and i didn't i only got through like the first omnibus in time before the film which was you know pretty uh, appropriate because like most of the film is also just the early stuff of the story and uh, that's it, it covers more story than the anime did but uh it's still not it's still not even half of the manga content is conveyed in the uh in the movie they cut, cut it short but you know that movie is great it, it fueled my interest in lady mortal i read the manga the manga is amazing uh, definitely a favorite. Uh, I'm really looking forward to the anime. I hope it's done well. I hope it's uh, the same level of quality as we're seeing from the Winland Saga, you know, teasers. You know, if they can do Winland Saga right, and by the trailers for that that I've been seeing floating around, it looks like that will turn out well. I'm hoping Blade of the Immortal will turn out well as well. Uh, so this is something I'm very excited for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um considering the first anime is my only exposure to blade of the immortal i'm totally looking forward to getting into more so i'll probably just kind of stick with the anime or or maybe i'll read the manga before then i don't know i'm now now that i know that the manga is like actually good and that people seem to love it which is not something i was aware of before i watched the anime um i'm i'm definitely willing to check it out mhm mm uh, one positive I'll give that anime adaptation. The opening team was pretty good. I, I did like that opening. Uh, but the show, not the best animated, not the best uh, presentation of that story at all. No, yeah. Um, all right, but uh, we have one last piece of adaptation news to talk about. And it is time to talk about more live action anime movies. More Hollywood live action anime movies, in fact. Yeah. Uh, so Warner Brothers announced recently that 
its live action adaptation of Akira will open on May 21st, 2021, and that uh, it will be directed by Taika Waititi, probably most famously known for Thor Ragnarok at this point, as well as uh, Boy Hunt for the uh, Wilder People and uh, I think What We Do in the Shadows. I think that's the title of the movie. And uh, apparently YTT mentioned in an interview uh, back in April 2018 uh, that he had planned to adapt the original manga as opposed to the anime film adaptation. So that's a really interesting little piece of info. Um, I've only ever seen the Akira movie. I unfortunately haven't read the manga yet. Well, this definitely excites me as a manga reader because there's a lot more to the Akira manga, a lot more story that I'm definitely excited to see on screen, assuming that YTD is able to uh, adapt it faithfully. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, uh, Akira is just one of those things that like, you know, we, we have been hearing like reports about uh about it getting a live action movie for like years and years and years and years and it i guess now it looks like something is finally being uh done about that uh looks like development on the film is finally progressing to an extent i think so perhaps alita proved that you can do anime in live action the fans will embrace it even if critics might be lukewarm on it uh, and I think it's really going to be up to promotion and name recognition to get the word out there and get butts and seats and drive up the box office. But I think an Akira live action film could be very successful. And the fact that YTT is directing this movie gives me a lot of hope. Um, I really like his stuff. I have only seen Tor Ragnarok, which I did not like the narrative content in that movie very much because it uh, had some very messy allegories about colonialism. But I thought the visual aesthetic of it was superb. It is most definitely the best directed movie of the MCU, the most unique visual style and very anime. So it is a perfect <laughs> fit for Akira. What We Do in the Shadows, I thought, was a pretty good uh, comedy. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's uh, I, I I think uh, it's it's got it's got a, a TV adaptation now on uh, FX, uh, an American one anyway. Because I think the original movie takes place in like New Zealand or something, and it's about these uh, these vampires that basically like room together, and it's just, it's just them like trying to live as vampires in like the modern day and whatnot it's a it's it's a pretty it's a pretty funny comedy like i i really really enjoyed it i think it was like the first ytt film i had watched before ragnarok but no yeah if you if you want to get a sense of like ytt's comedy sensibilities anyway uh that's that's a good movie to start off with um i also really liked his direction in thor ragnarok uh visually speaking as well so no yeah uh ytt in, in conclusion his stuff is worth seeking out so Mm -hmm. So very exciting. It seems like Akira is in good hands. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of fate in the project. I think that this will turn out really cool. So definitely something to keep tabs on. But that is it for our news coverage for this episode. So we'll round off with some community shoutouts because there's been some interesting projects that have come out recently that I think are really worth sharing and worth discussing. And the first of these is a incredible report about the state of the U.S. manga market that was put together by Project Anime. 
uh, that really delves into the state of the U.S. manga market in North America, you know, in the past couple of years, showing how, you know, sales have kind of rebounded since the slump in the early years of this decade, what the overall trends have been for this decade, which is in a uh, huge part that the trends are up, sales are up. Uh, you know, the effect of digital and the influence on that, you know, how much the marketplace manga represents, what the highest selling manga are, the best publishers. It's a really extensive report that's a fascinating read. And I think that in a future podcast, we will cover it more in depth. I think we would love to do a state of the U.S. manga market podcast at some point. So maybe we will be able to contact the organizer of this uh, report, maybe even discuss it with us, who knows. But we, in the meantime, we will share it with you in the show notes because it is a great uh comprehensive look of how the manga market is now and what are the big sales drivers but a great companion piece to it is a piece about from Deb Aoki that is also about uh the same subject you know what the state of the manga industry is you know how sales are like what trends have influenced the rebound of manga sales namely you know the impact of streaming anime uh diversity in subject matter the presence of a lot of manga for young readers the spread of digital manga and the new trend of focusing on OEL manga as well. So a lot of, you know, an interesting reporting there. Deboki's piece also includes a lot of quotes from, you know, good friends of ours and a frequent guest on the show, Nick Rowe and Morgana Santilli. So definitely want to give that a shout out uh, for them as well. So definitely another great piece to learn more about the state of the U.S. manga history. I'd love to talk with deb about this as well at some point in the future but those are two great pieces that will catch you up on and how manga is doing in the u.s marketplace nowadays but we're entering june it's pride month and i want to share a few pieces that spotlight great lgbtq related titles and first off is a great piece by Erica Friedman, who we interviewed on the show just a little while ago, and she wrote a piece about Akaze-san, which, you know, we discussed on our interview with her as, you know, a great Fury series that, you know, really against all odds has really persevered over a decade, uh, told an incredible story of these two girls and their relationships through their high school years, and now they have moved on to their college years, and the story keeps going and exploring their relationship. And her piece on this uh, is a great look at like the origins of Kaze-san, kind of what made it stood out, and the production history of it, and like the progression of it, all the way up to getting an anime adaptation. Her recent appearance, uh, Takashima-san, uh, the the artist at Kaze-san's recent appearance at Toronto Comics Arts Festival, and now the future of Kaze-san and beyond. And how, you know, Kaze-san has really become an ambassador of Yuri Manga, which is really great. So uh, it's a great piece uh, and, you know, makes a great case for uh, checking out Kaze-san if you have not already. So definitely give that a read. But if you want other Yuri recommendations, Rai Kaiser over on Anime Feminist did a great piece that listed 
some great Yuri Manga recommendations. Uh, they gave about seven titles that are all very distinct and unique from each other of different Yuri series to check out and read. I have read several of the titles that they recommended, and they really sparked my interest in a few that I have not read yet, like Beauty and the Beast Girl and uh, Akuma no Riddle, Riddle Story of the Devil in After Hours. But uh, I really definitely endorse, you know, the stuff that they have on their list. Kaze-san, uh, Hana and Hina, Bloom into You, Kiss and White Lily. All great series that I really like. Uh, so this is a great set of recommendations for Yuri Manga for you all to check out. And on the opposite side of that, uh, if you want to learn a little more about BL Manga, and specifically Classic BL and the History of BL... Uh, Annie Fem did a great podcast, uh, also hosted by Ry Kaiser, where they discuss the history of boys like manga with experts of the subject, uh, prof- you know, uh, professionally in an academic uh, variety. Uh, Kirsten and Sarah, you know, they they study the history. They are very well worse in it. It's a great listen, uh, very informative of like the origins of. BL, it's Roots and Shoujo, it's how integrally it is, kind of Shoujo. And also, a big heavy discussions of uh, Take, Mia, and Motohagyo in particular that are very fascinating. So, uh, again, another great uh, piece to check out to learn more about BL. Definitely a genre of manga I'd like to delve a little more into, and this uh, provided some great context and uh, some intriguing places of where to start. So, a lot of awesome community shoutouts we've got for you uh, this week. Uh, and so hopefully, you know, you'll uh, give these a check out. Uh, well, they're all going to be in the show notes. Uh, have all heavily recommended and great pieces to read. Mm-hmm. A lot of great stuff we're going to be uh, linking to in the show notes. Uh, definitely going to be bookmarking the Beginner's Guide to Yuri because I could definitely uh, use a helping hand in finding some good Yuri tiles at some point. ta but we have come to the end of the show. This was a rather short episode by our standards, I guess. But it's oh, good thank God. to get caught up on the news. It's good to kind of run down some of the most exciting news that's come out recently. Uh, the Oricon list for the first half of the year, which was very exciting to go over. And just good to kind of get an update on where the manga industry is at. Because, you know, as we covered in the news, there's been a big, a lot of big shakeups. I mean, we got big series ending. We got uh, big updates on how series are doing. So uh, good to have this check-in. But next time, we're definitely going to be back to talking about manga themselves. We're going to probably do some reviews of the recent crop of jump starts that have come out in the past month, including, of course, Masashi Kishimoto's new manga, Samurai 8. That, of course, we have to discuss. But we'll also uh, talk about Double Taizei and Beast Children, and uh, regrettably, Tokyo Shinobi Squad. Yeah, already hearing some stuff about that series. (laughs) Yeah, uh, maybe it'll improve by the next chapter. Uh, We will have at least two chapters of that for context by the time we get around to reviewing it, but you'll definitely... 
have that to look forward to as we cover the newest batch of jump starts. And again, as we mentioned at the top of the show, we've got great interviews coming for you. We've got great podcasts in the works that we're planning to record and making plans to record. So this summer is going to be a lot of fun, I think. And yeah, I think that uh, this is going to be a good summer, a good crop of podcasts that you can look forward to as you just spend these nice sunny days. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, One more thing before we start wrapping up with the show. Uh, At the time of this recording, uh, we just recently over at our Patreon released our latest bonus podcast, our our first newly recorded podcast bonus podcast i should say because uh the first one we put up was a podcast that uh Lum had been kind of working on in the background for some time you know with the uh the, the manga fights uh monster girls edition and whatnot uh i thought that was a very enjoyable podcast uh by the way i, I had a lot of fun listening to that um as far as newly recorded content goes yeah uh the this past bonus podcast we uploaded is about uh that time i got reincarnated as yamcha um again as something we had been wanting to talk about on the show but had just never really found the time to do so and uh, now we finally got to do so with our good friends maxi and bomber um so if so if you want to listen to that podcast uh for now it is only available on our patreon if you become a patron at the five dollar tier or higher you will have access to that podcast uh plus a new bonus podcast at the end of every month um so yeah um i'm really looking forward to recording more of those uh we 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 have we have some we have a couple of ideas of what we want to do with some of the bonus podcasts whether they be um you know single topics uh maybe some episodes of at movies as well as maybe some uh some podcast series we want to do maybe um we, we have we have info about all that kind of stuff over at the patreon as well i think uh that post in particular is unlocked for the public. So yeah, um, definitely go listen to that if you can. Uh, I really enjoyed recording that podcast, so uh, I hope we get some new patrons to to listen to that show. And uh, as for the Patreon, you can find all this and more at patreon.com slash manga mavericks. Uh, any support is welcomed. Mm-hmm. We've got a lot of tier options and a lot of content available at those tier levels. We've got a uh, $2 tier for just early access to the podcast. If you want to listen to our podcast early, you can contribute $2 and get access early. You, We've got a $10 tier where we put up our show notes for the podcast, which includes like all our new show notes, so like links to all the news pieces we reference on the show. We have uh, show notes for the interviews that we conduct, so all the questions and all our thought processes, notes, all of that's available at that tier. Then at the $15 tier, we have got a huge collection of unreleased podcasts and bloopers exclusive to that tier. Lots more content available at that tier. And then at $20, you can request us to talk about something of your choosing. Really want us to make a podcast on a topic that you want us to talk about $20 a month you're able to make us do it so uh, definitely some great tier options uh, uh, everyone's support we're incredibly grateful for and uh, there's a lot of fun stuff only on our Patreon that if uh, you really want more content from us I highly can encourage you to check out um, but yeah I think we should start uh, plugging away here um, so Lum where can the good people find you 
You can find me at Lumromiyasha on Twitter and it's Lumromiyasha on a variety of places including Animation, Revelation, and AnyList. Wherever there's a Lumromiyasha, that's where you can find me. You can also read my reviews on all-comma.com, my manga and movies reviews. Always have plans for those in the works, but I also am doing another podcast in addition to Manga Mavericks, Lum Squad, a monthly Yurusei Yatsura podcast that I do with AC Fada Lum over on Twitter, host of the Daily Lum and hashtag. So we uh, have a lot of fun recording that show. The second episode is in the works. Uh, I'm planning to get that out very soon about the anime. And after that, we've got an episode about the fandom plan that we're really excited for. So keep an eye out for more episodes of Lum Squad coming your way. All right. And as for me, I'm Colton. You can find me over on Twitter at SniperKing323. I also host a few other podcasts such as Life Lessons, the Intama Manga Cast, it's on a bit of a hiatus at the moment, but we have a huge backlog of episodes that you can listen to if you're a Gintama fan over at gintalifelessons.wordpress.com. You can also listen to One Podcast Prevails at onepodcastprevails.com. It's a show that I host with my friend uh, Doctor from the Ask Backwards Anime Podcast, the SSAA Network. Um, I really enjoyed recording that show. Uh, it's basically a show where we talk about the Detective Conan manga. So, yeah, if, you, if you're a fan of Conan in particular, go listen to that. Again, that's at onepodcastprevails.com. Uh, as for All Comic in the Podcast, you can find every episode of the podcast over at all-comic.com. Uh, you can also follow us on facebook.com slash all.comic or on twitter.com slash allcomic underscore. But if you want to follow Manga Mavericks specifically, you want to follow us on Twitter at manga underscore mavericks as well as mangamavericks.tumblr.com for all the latest updates on the podcast. Uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel over at youtube.com slash mangamavericks, uh, where we post different excerpts of the podcast, such as uh, different interviews, uh, news pieces, whatever manga we review and discuss, um, and even some exclusive content every once in a while. And so, yeah, again, that's at youtube.com slash mangamavericks. Email us anything at uh, mangamavericks at gmail.com. What do you think about all of our interviews we've been posting lately? Um, What did you think of all the news we talked about this episode? Uh, Tell us about what you're reading. Uh, Really email us anything about the podcast or anything manga related, and we'll read it on the show. Again, that's at mangamavericks at gmail.com. But the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on... uh, Probably not iTunes anymore because uh, that's gonna that's gonna disappear soon. Apparently, that's a real thing. Um, the Apple Podcasts, whatever Apple's gonna call it now, I don't know. But uh, yeah, you know, just leave us a rating and review. It really helps the visibility of our show. Really, just kind of helps us become more visible overall amongst all the different podcasts on the internet and whatnot. So we'd really appreciate it if you uh, if you did that. But that's gonna be about it for this episode. Uh, This has been episode 89 of the podcast, and we will see you guys next time for episode 90. Bye, guys. Sayonara!